You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Wednesday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Very excited for today's episode. Um, we will get that started in just a second. First, I want to let you know that this episode brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join us this week, Friday, noon Pacific. Back to noon Pacific on Fridays to get in on the action. We'll talk Lakers free agency, the draft, all that stuff coming up. Uh, but we're not even going to, Andy, we're not even going to do all that normal selling that we do at the beginning of every show about telling people to sign up for the YouTube channel and stuff like that because um, we have a fantastic guest today. Um, one of our favorite people to read and to talk to uh, out there in the in the writing universe, Mirren Fader. She is the author of the uh, book coming out August 10th, Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP. You can pre-order it on Amazon or if you can from your local bookseller. Um, she used to write for Bleacher Report. Now she writes for The Ringer. If you want to know more about her, um, just go to her about page on mirrorandfader.com. It is the most fastidiously maintained about page for a writer I have ever seen in my entire life. It, I mean, like up to, it is literally up to date with your most recent feature from the ringer. When you're not writing books, I think you should become a life coach, Mirren, and help people get their <laughs> shit together because it is incredibly impressive. You obviously know what you're doing. Oh my God. Hi guys. Hey. <laughs> So great to be here. Uh, I, I think life coach, maybe we'll we'll figure out a way to do that. Um, I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. Well, we we are really excited to have you. Really excited for this book, and quite frankly, the timing of it could not be any better. With Giannis and the Bucks finally breaking through, getting to the finals. As we're recording this, um, they are down two one to Phoenix, but. In terms of the profile that you'd want for Giannis right now, I know it's crazy, and you know it is a very welcome surprise because when I was writing the book, we didn't know if he was going to stay in Milwaukee. So, figuring out how to end the book and what are we going to do about that was a trauma we can get into later. But you know, it's just I'm very surprised, and obviously, it's pretty awesome. Um, and we definitely want to talk about that aspect of Giannis and like what it means because his connection to Milwaukee um, is is amazing and it's critical, I think, to the story that you're telling. And it's it's such a contrast too, I think, in, in part because of uh, some of the trauma they've had from their stars leaving and coming to Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> but I, the, the first thing I want to ask you about is. You wrote this book in like about Giannis going back and getting sources and talking about all this stuff and 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 finding people during a pandemic. Um, yes. So how did you do the reporting for this? Yeah. So basically, um, I didn't sign the deal until like mid March 2020. But you know, this is my first book, and you know, as you both know, I'm very uh, determined and slightly neurotic and all of those things with my work because I care. And um, so I flew to Milwaukee uh, late February to start reporting, even though I didn't sign the deal just in case. And um, and that's when I talked to Alex, the youngest brother, again. So I was so grateful I did that, and I talked with you know, ushers at, at Pfizer Forum and just anyone and everyone, the person in front of the locker room. Um, and then the world shut down. And I was like, oh my gosh, because I was supposed to go to Greece um, to report this. So, you know, on the one hand, you can say, okay, this is very unfortunate. And obviously it was stressful. But at the other hand, it's like, okay, but this is still 
my assignment and I have a year to do it. You know, most people only have, most people have two years, but I had one year. So March, 2020 to March 1st, 2021. So I would wake up every day and uh, we're all in LA and I would just be on the phone with people in Greece at 6 a.m. our time and just reporting, 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 you know, who can you connect me to? Who knew him? Um, so it's 221 interviews just in this apartment right here during the pandemic. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That is so you. That is so really you good. ultimately, um, the the way all this worked out, you were never able to get to Greece at all because there there's no. a lot of very vivid description of Greece. The amount of Greek people I talked to for hours to explain it as you know, it really actually challenged me as a journalist. You know, explain the street. What does it look like? What does the tree look like? What does the you know the store look like? And you know, I was super fortunate also to hire a researcher on the ground, um, a person who lives in Sapolia, and he would send me videos and pictures, and you know, just the kindness of some Greeks to help me was just enormous. And um, I made friends with a lot of the Greek journalists that cover sports there and covered Giannis. And they were just so helpful. I could just, you know, WhatsApp them like, hey, what's the Greek word for, you know, this? Because as you know, there's a lot of Greek in there. You know, I wanted you to open the pages and like smell the where he comes from, see where he comes from. You know, I want you to feel like you're there. And so I would definitely say this was the hardest project I've ever worked on because normally mm -hmm. it's me, me doing the seeing, me doing the smelling. Like I'm there with my notebook. Um, but it's a once in a lifetime you have, pandemic. Your, 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 sm your smelling has been is, is <laughs> the stuff of legend uh, among among writing circles. The people who do this for a living, we always talk about that as one of your greatest traits. Uh, oh. But but the <laughs> the the um. The, I, I'd have just been I'm like I'd have just been telling my publishers if this had worked out. Giannis specifically said the best way for me to understand his journey is to go on a tour of all the locations in Mamma Mia, like all the places <laughs> that we saw in that movie. Giannis said these tropical paradises that he didn't even visit at all growing up because they didn't have close right. to that type of money would right. better understand everything he went through. And I mean, he's the subject of the book. He'd know. I mean, it's interesting because I I was always, because I feel like we knew so little about that upbringing, right? Like that's what really drew me to it. I'm mm -hmm. like, how do we, we just know the basic outline, right? We know the shape of his life. We grew up poor, NBA MVP, but like nothing in between, like hardly anything. And so I was like, okay, what, what does it mean to sell trinkets on the street? Where, what, yeah. how, what market, what did it look like? And so that was my goal. And, you know, to your point about the movie, there was one beach that they would go to this upscale beach. And it was like a glimpse of another life. Um, it's called Alimos beach. And it was this upscale thing. And, you know, I think one thing that I hope people take away is that amid all of this, there was joy. Um, mm -hmm. So they had a really, really tough upbringing, but it was very joyful to go to this beach and be with the family and be in the water. And, um, you know, obviously things were hard, but he had a lot of fun growing up with his brothers. I, but when we, after the break, I want to ask you a lot about that, because I think the, the contrast between Giannis and how he grew up and the stories you hear so often of how uh, a lot of American athletes, you know, particularly Black American athletes, grow up, and some of the assumptions even that are made, uh, right. is one of the one of the things I think is really interesting about the uh, about the book. But so much of 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 this is there's a lot of a lot of talk about trust in the book, the mm -hmm. family having difficulty trusting uh, people in Greece because they were always worried about being deported and trust when you come to America. How did you get them to sort of trust you to tell their story?
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you don't really ask those types of questions like within the first hour. Um, I think when I when I interviewed Alex, you know, I think we were like three and a half hours in before I asked anything about the dad and, and his death. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think it's just, you know, when when you're genuine, people can sense it. Um, it. I think interviewing his mom was such an experience for me because I know she doesn't talk to like anyone. And when I was there in Milwaukee, you know, she was sitting like very, very far away on the couch from me. So imagine like two people on the opposite ends of the couch. And it was so stiff and I was so nervous I want to say the wrong thing but then you know 45 minutes in again asking about joy not just hardship right I think she's just so used to people being like tell me all the horrible things you went through I wanted to know about the love they had the kindness of her husband like those things too and you know maybe that helped but you know at one point she scooted closer and she handed me an Altoid <laughs> and I thought you know <laughs> I bro, I you know, there's like this is such a special moment. You know, you you have the trust. You you know, there's a kindness there and a warmth there. And it was actually she who went over to Giannis and was like, talk to her. I just talked with her. So it was actually the mom that allowed me to speak with him that day. So um, I don't know. I think being a long form journalist, if you don't have the trust of the people that you're talking to, you you don't have much. And it's really hard also speaking with others close to them who speak Greek and you speak English and you're trying to gain trust with somebody who doesn't really speak the language and there's an interpreter between you two. And um, so it's just really hard, but I think it's little things like instead of saying, can you ask him about blah, 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 just say, tell mm -hmm. me about the practice. It's like, you know, just treating people like, you know, whatever you do center center humanity and whatever you do, I guess. And it seems to like the, the part, I would imagine it was helpful. People love him. And like the enthusiasm, yeah, I, I think that people have for Giannis, um, like there was a, there was, I think it was, it was uh, Monday. There was some, you know, you know, thing on Twitter going around, um, you know, tell who is the most sort of popular NBA athlete, the guy with the least negative thing. And I'm thinking to myself, after your book comes out, the answer ought to be Giannis because like there's everything about this, this, you know, the kid Giannis that you're writing about is incredibly likable and the p the enthusiasm for him comes out in the people that you talk to I, I i suspect that was helpful it was really helpful and it also just made me feel uh, you know confidence in the reporting because you know when you talk to over 200 people and not one person has something negative to say i think it's fair to say <laughs> this is a beloved person and you you can feel confident in that when so many people share similar anecdotes but i think um i think because he is so lovable though his story is so framed as a fairy tale and people mm -hmm. don't talk about the people that were not kind to him growing up, um, the racism that he faced and the people who were super negative. And even now, you know, in chapter, I think it's chapter 12, you know, it's about one of the murals of him that was desecrated by swastikas. So I think that we can hold both of these ideas at the same time, that this person is so lovable and so heartwarming and endearing, but also that like, there are people that do not wish him well. And I think it's that complexity that makes him I think the most intriguing person in the NBA. Let's and let's let's. That's a great jumping off point to to talk about some of the things that are in the book about that subject. Um, so so much more that we want to do about Giannis, um, about his early time in Milwaukee, about what shapes Milwaukee's basketball culture and uh, how that compares to the rest of the NBA. We'll do that next.
This episode of Locked On Lakers brought to you by Spotify Greenroom, the first social audio platform made for sports fans free to download. Once you're in, you can talk with me, Brian, other fans, athletes, insiders about in real time about your favorite team or sport. In this case, obviously the Lakers. We're going to be hosting rooms for Locked On Lakers once a week, Fridays, noon Pacific. Join in the conversation you hear here every day. Perfect place to start or join conversations about the league, Spotify Greenroom. You'll find fans just like yourself. So download the free Spotify Greenroom app right now. Currently available on all. Don't have to spend any of your advance, Marin, to download this app. It's it's great. So follow us at Cam Brothers on Twitter to be notified when our room goes live. It's always under A. Kamenetsky. You're not going to want to miss it. Again, noon Pacific time. We always want to hear everybody's thoughts on the Lakers. The rooms have been a lot of fun. So we'll see you there. Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. So, Marin, in in the book, you there is, I think, a lot of that. What you talked about before the break, you know, making sure to remind people of what was going on and what the culture was like in 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 Greece and in Europe, particularly for for not just for black players but black immigrant players. Can you kind of lay that out for people? Um, what exactly it was that Giannis was seeing and his family was seeing? Yeah, absolutely. So around this time, um, you know, Greece just in general was dealing with um, the financial crisis and the aftermath of that. And so a lot of immigrants lived in neighborhoods like Sepolia, which, you know, he lived in. But there, so, you know, his neighbors were fellow immigrants of different countries, but there were this neo-Nazi group called Golden Dawn and Golden Dawn, um, which has now been ruled as a criminal organization, um, they literally murdered immigrants. They would chase them, um, harass them, um, just a completely xenophobic, uh, racist group. And it was terrifying. And so like one of the things Kostas told me was like, we knew we couldn't walk at alone at night. And the book kind of chronicles different experiences they've had just being so hyper aware of these people. You know, it's it's not like they walked outside and immediately they were like, oh my God, I don't feel safe. But it was, it was this thing lurking in the background always of what could happen because even though they lived in a majority migrant neighborhood, they were always in white spaces, particularly on mm-hmm. the basketball court and also on road games. So I talk about road games where fans would shout horrible racist things at Giannis calling him a monkey and so you know I just think it's 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 important to talk about that and it's important to talk about other black migrant basketball players whom Giannis was friends with um I chart their journeys and the way they haven't been able to ascend because like Giannis they're undocumented because Greece does not give citizenship um even if you are born there um if you are a migrant and so um I wanted to do that to say, look, what happened to Giannis was miraculous and wonderful, but he could have easily been just like his black migrant friends that were not able to ascend. So I think that part is often left out about Giannis's journey, whether intentionally or not. Um, And so I just, I hope that that gives readers clarity of like really what this was like as an undocumented black person in Greece. Yeah. Beyond those details too, Maren, you also get into how Giannis had this fear of his parents being deported you know, that was on his mind constantly. He also grew up fearing the police. And the situation that you describe reminded me a lot of the tension that's been rising, you know, over the last several years in this country, particularly in in the Trump era. But, you know, with what happened during the bubble in terms of this racial reckoning in America and the Jacob Blake shooting, which hit the Bucks especially hard, you know, being Milwaukee and Wisconsin, just how much do you think the current climate 
uh, he was prepared for it just by what he experienced. And I, have you gotten a sense of just the commonalities that he's found in, in America now versus what he grew up then? Yeah, absolutely. There was um, a later chapter about how um, when he comes to Milwaukee, Karan Butler is really teaching him about racism in America. And to be in a place like Milwaukee, where, you know, the Bucks team president, Peter Fagan, said this is the most segregated place in the, the U.S. at one point. Um, so he's like keenly aware of this. But the way that, you know, learning about in the U.S., the way black people are murdered and coming from a situation where he was targeted for harassment and and just just racism in general, it's like this was not new for him. You know, he's always been singled out. He's always been made to feel aware that he is different. Um, I think people don't realize how xenophobic places in Europe are. You know, you could say the same thing. We're talking about Greece. You could say the same thing for so many other places in Europe. Um, and mm. I think that- Look at the reaction after right. soccer between England and Italy. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, you know, Racism is everywhere, and and Giannis is certainly like hyper aware of that from an early age. But I also think what makes his lens interesting about this is that there were also like very kind white people that respected him and showed mm -hmm. him dignity. Um, this one woman who I talk about in the book, her name is Marietta. She was like his godmother, and she was just some random white woman in a, a neighborhood. Um, you know, in Athens, and she had no reason to help them out as much as she did, but she did. Um, and I and I wanted to make sure that the book had both because I think when Giannis looks at his life and all of his identities, he's able to hold all of these things at at once. Yeah, the the village, so to speak, that that kind of rises around him and his brothers is is remarkable. Um, but the the other thing that I think is going on in here is there's the lens of race, and there's also the lens of poverty, and. The, you know the, that story that you're telling of you know hustling on the beach and the you know not you know, the the family not eating and you know Charles not eating the dad not eating the 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 parents sort of and and all of these things and the the awareness that the the kids grow up with we have I think in this country like the almost the assumption that if you're a black athlete uh, particularly you grew up in a in a tough neighborhood and probably a broken home and you're overcoming like it's almost the stereotype. Um, I, I think what is what is different and what is similar about how their his upbringing in Greece and the poverty that he experienced in Greece kind of shaped who he was. I mean, are are there parallels to American athletes? What's what's similar? What's different? Yeah, I mean, there definitely are similarities and differences. I think the first thing that came to mind for me when you said that was this concept of, of birthright citizenship, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, because Giannis, even though he was born in Greece, he could not, um, he was not a citizen. He was not considered Greek, so he couldn't get a passport. He couldn't um, travel, all of these things that made life really difficult. Obviously, as we know, Black people in America, even if they have citizenship, are disenfranchised every day in a multitude of ways, whether it's redlining or, you know, just really at every institutional like facet of life. Um, so there are definitely similarities there. Um, I think in Greece as well, um, the system is different. So we're talking about like the basketball ecosystem here. Mm -hmm. Like there's no like AAU system where at least in America, it, it seems like, you know, despite all of these awful situations that a lot of players come from, there is sort of this 
path of, you know, potential, like getting out of this situation, but like there's less opportunities like that in Greece. And you basically have these two powerhouse programs, Olympiakos and Panathinaikos, and they're top EuroLeague teams. But if you are an undocumented basketball player of color, you can't sign with those teams because you don't have documentation. So I think there's parallels with dreamers, for example, in America, mm. but you know, it is, it is a different situation in a lot of ways too. Well, speaking of that, Marin, I thought it was really interesting in the book, how you described where Giannis and Thanasis struggled to get a passport and, mm-hmm. you know, the Greek government being pretty indifferent to helping them out until it turned out they learned that they were going to apply for Nigerian citizenship instead. And this is right around the time where it started becoming apparent, okay, Giannis has the potential to become a star. And if he becomes a star in the NBA, Greece can capitalize on this. And it just, it serves as a reminder, like where, wherever you're talking about in this world with sports, these guys are always commodities and, and how much money affects or alters the bottom line or just decisions involved, like the, the commonalities of that, I thought was really interesting. It also led, uh, I'd love for you to share the details on this, to them changing their last name. Like, like Giannis, Giannis essentially performs under a stage name. Totally. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up because the key thing here is that the Greek government did not give his mother citizenship. They didn't give the youngest brother and the middle brother, Alex and Costa citizenship or their father. So, you know, they only gave it to Giannis and Thanasis because they were basketball players. So they could have easily given it to the family and they didn't. And I think that's what I mean by, you know, his story is framed as this fairy tale rags to riches, but the Greek government literally dragged its feet on giving him citizenship. Um, I interviewed the prime minister at the time who was largely involved with this citizenship and um, Anthony Samaras, and he just kept dodging the question, would you give him this if he wasn't a basketball player, if he wasn't gonna go to the NBA? And you know, I think the quote in there, he manages it certainly really helped or something like that. Um, it was I mean, so, it was so. <laughs> the dodging of it is the answer. The dodging is the answer. And and also you will see in the book, I have his other answers where I'm talking about Giannis, a person born in Greece, and he kept using the word alien um, and, and other things like that, that just not only is, is xenophobic, but it incorrectly describes his literal immigration status. Like he mm-hmm. is not, a, you know, he is somebody that is, is Greek, is born there. Um, so I found that section fascinating. And there's the other element too of the Spanish team, Zaragoza, that was also involved. And they were gonna go to the Spanish government if the Greek government and the Nigerian government could not get the passport. So there were all these entities sort of looking at this kid who was intriguing everyone, but he didn't quite belong anywhere. I just, I found that so fascinating. All these different countries looking at this person who has loads of potential, who just didn't belong on paper anywhere. What what is the architecture? You talked about just the, the difference, like you know, in, in this country, you know, there's AAU ball and there's high school, and there's sort of this infrastructure that can take you to college, take you to the pros, whatever it might be. What what was the infrastructure that Giannis went through? Because I mean, I, I you know, you see the descriptions of the club that he played for and the tiers, and but if you're not familiar with what that is. It's it's a fascinating part of the book, and I think to some degree, uh, can you talk about how that sort of it, it explains who he is as a player? 
Totally. So uh, A1 is the top division, and that's where Giannis always wanted to play. He's like, I want to play A1 for a top team in Greece, which, you know, I mentioned Panathinaikos and Olympiakos. Those are like mm -hmm. very amazing storied programs. But he didn't play in those those teams and that division. He played in um, A2 for a team called Filipplitikos. Not a big club, not a small club, just a very mediocre club. And so the way to leapfrog in this system is you have to kind of be on one of the younger teams of Olympiakos and Panathinaikos. And again, he didn't have that opportunity, but he would play against those teams and they would see like, who is this talented guy on this little dinky uh, team in this dinky division with the, you know, the gym was just, there was a cracked window and so leaky showers. And so he would have the opportunity to showcase himself against top players on these lower level teams that are sort of budding players for that next uh, A1 circuit, but he couldn't ever join them. They, they liked him. They were, they were somewhat interested, but he also was not an amazing superstar either. So he wasn't yet developed and he didn't even have the papers. I do believe if he had papers, he would get a chance, but that is another story. So for him, the only way you can essentially leapfrog is uh, at the end of the year, um, the A2 divisions they play and the winner can go to a higher division. So that, and they lost that game. And that was a very sad moment for him in his life. So essentially what you're talking about is a person that can play basketball all he wants, but has no real shot at ascension. And so the only reason why he ascended is because this tape of him was, you know, assembled to various scouts. And it does really honestly show how extensive the American and international scouting network is to find somebody in this podon division where people are like smoking cigarettes. At the, the players are smoking cigarettes. They have beer bellies. Um, it's it sounds so amazing. Bad. I'm not going to lie. It's, I would like to get a run in. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I know. I know. I would like to go. Um, what, yeah. What's the downside? <laughs> <laughs> but I will, but I will say those players, because they were not top people, they played hard. And I think it made him better. A lot of the people I talked to said it made him to your, to your second question, how did it make him into who he is? They would foul the crap out of him. And he had to learn to adjust because this was not your most fundamental base, the most, you know, fast paced thing. And so he actually learned how to be aggressive and, and work hard in that division. Mm -hmm. So I actually it, think it, it helped him. There's a, it's, a, it's that thread of, of Giannis's personality about how hard he works and how he constantly would get up and, and the pride that he had, you know, is very respectful of authority. I think it's something that, that comes through the book. But uh, I love that moment where, you know, he ex he gets explained to him who Bambi is when he gets to the NBA. <laughs> and they call him that. And he's like, wait, a baby deer? I am not a baby deer. <laughs> like, no. But he, he, I love what, that. Yeah. What's the, the, what is the contrast with him with that, the drive and the pride with also the respect? Because, you know, basketball is a trash-talky uh, you know, kind of environment where, you know, you are constantly kind of putting yourself out there and puffing yourself up and all that and to, to survive. He, he sort of he played both sides of that. It was, it's fascinating. Yes. Yeah, so one, of, I love that example that you just named. One of my favorite chapters to work on was called mean 
Um, and it's because Giannis was not mean. He was so nice and so lovable, like Skip Robinson, this man who worked for the Bucks, who really looked after Giannis his rookie year. He said he had to practice his scowl because he's not that guy. He's a very mm -hmm. lovable guy. Now, I know we all are watching the finals, and I know you see the scowl, and I know you see the this. I know you saw that moment in the huddle um, when he's riling people up. But at this point, you know, circa 2014 to 15, he was just like such a nice lovable endearing adorable person and he had to develop a mean streak because it wasn't in him he was so deferential to authority and so kind so he would practice the scowl in front of the mirror and he would practice his roar and brandon knight was telling me man like i kept telling you, you got to work on your roar like it's not convincing and then he did it one time in the game and karan told me he's like where the hell did that come <laughs> from and so <laughs> i think he he's always had that but i think under, I know it's funny to think about and talk about, but I think underneath that is the greatest skill that he has, which is that he's a great listener. Um, mm. Because because he is so like respectful of authority, he knows how to listen, which is a skill, and it's half the battle in the NBA. And I think because he was such a good receptor and such a good listener, and because those humble aspects of his personality from childhood that you just mentioned, I really do think that's why he was able to be such a quick learner in the NBA. Certainly a quality that I think you recognize doing what you do for a living because it can't be yeah. done without being able to listen. Um, let, let, I, I want to ask a quick question about something you just mentioned, but then talk to you about family because that is, uh, I think if this story is about anything, it's about that. And so uh, we'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. These are bars covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew, not like those deadbeat protein bars out there that are just, you have to spend two, three, four You practically hours. need a saw. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. They're, They're just, they know who they are. I'm not going to say them by name, but they know how much they <laughs> suck. Built Bars, however, though, they're healthy. They're great for health-conscious guys. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for keto diets, and they taste more delicious than ever. You got the 12 original flavors like raspberry, coconut almond, salted caramel, banana bread, new flavors including cherry, barcia, lemon almond, cheesecake, cookies, and cream. Mirren, this is the type of stuff, because there's a lot of details in the book about how the experience of American food just blew Giannis's mind, especially you know growing up where you literally had to worry, will I have anything to eat at all? Giannis would have gone to town on the Built Bars. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Locked on Lakers also brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, it's in full swing. They just finished the home run derby. All-star game coming up, and then you got the second half of the season. So get all the news, odds, info you need for that, as well as uh, the NBA, UFC, MMA. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for the second half of the baseball season or the end of the finals, all that good stuff. Go to your website, go to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on. Again, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use locked on bet online, your online sportsbook experts. You talked, Mirren, about um some like the 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 listening that goes on. How valuable was it to be honest, to have somebody like Karan Butler, the type of veterans that he had when he arrived to Milwaukee on a god awful Bucks team, but it had some dudes on it that were of high quality. Yeah, Karan was amazing. I mean, you cannot 
talk about a better teammate. One of my favorite anecdotes was Karan making him do push-ups in the club because uh, Giannis had a good game and, you know, but Karan was like, you need to like not be feeling yourself. Like we're, we won like two games this year. It's the polar vortex. You're a rookie, you know? And so they go out, they think they're going to celebrate Karan's birthday, which is coming up. And then in the middle of the club with all these like beautiful women and, and all the teammates, you got Larry Sanders, all these guys. Karan is like, I want you to give me a push up for every year of my birthday. And Giannis is like, oh my God. But of course he drops immediately. Like again, what we're talking about being a listener, being receptive to authority. He's like, well, shit, it's Karan Butler. And um, he does that. And so I just love that anecdote because it showed that like he had teammates that actually wanted to make him better. They saw the potential and they wanted to help him. And if that meant, you know, disciplining him, fine. Um, I think that they just, one of the things that Luke Ridnauer said to me was, everything you ever asked Giannis to do, the answer was always yes. And it was always, and he said his, because he was still learning English, he said his phrases very quickly. Yes, I got you. Yes, I'll run back on defense. Yes, I'll go pick up the Dunkin' Donuts. You know, it's just like always just yes. And this like earnest yesness, I think is what endeared him to so many of his teammates. I, I never heard the expression yesness before, but I think I'm going <laughs> to adopt that as part of my regular I'm vernacular. Tired. I, wa- I like no, I like it. I, I seriously, that's a winner. I, w- I would try Ernest, Ernest yesness is a great name for an album that nobody has actually recorded yet. That interaction with him and Quran and, and what he learned from being around really good veterans and teammates like that. There's a section in the book where you talk about Jason Kidd when he was coaching the Bucks arranging a meeting between Giannis and Kobe. And that meeting lasted around an hour or so. What were the big takeaways for Giannis from that meeting? And what did Kobe mean to him in general? Kobe meant so much to him. That game in particular in which the, like right before the meeting took place was when Giannis had a triple-double. And I believe it was his first triple-double. To do that in Kobe's farewell tour year was beyond his wildest imagination, you know? And then when, you know, um, Jason Kidd arranged this meeting, they go into this little private room and Kobe's just looking at him and he's like, you can be better. You just have to work and work. And he was like, you need to shoot this many jump shots. You need to always be committed. You can't let anyone beat you. Again, it's Giannis at this point in his career was showing glimpses of superstardom, but he wasn't a superstar. And he was just starting to become, quote, mean, like we talked about. So when Kobe is telling you to increase your mean streak, I mean, he was just so thrilled. So he runs outside of the room and he's like telling his teammates, like, Kobe told me, like, he told me I'm going to be good. Like, it's going to, you know, do this, I do this, I got to work hard. And it's like, again, it's just that endearing youthful spirit of him, but it, and just the reverence. Like, I think a lot of players now today, um, which I don't really like, they, they try to be so cool. So, oh yeah, like I just talked with LeBron and he told me to keep working. Like, if that was me, I would be like, holy shit, this is like the equivalent of like Wright Thompson, like having a meeting with me. I would be like, holy shit, oh my God, la la la. Like that was how Giannis was like, you know, because he didn't care about being cool. There was no ego. He's like, oh my God, Kobe Bryant just had a meeting with me. This is ridiculous. And I, I think that is so refreshing. And that is why people but fall you know, in love with you know, him. It's interesting you say that just because for, you know, for all of the coolness that Kobe often exuded and, and you know, I, Kobe obviously had a ton of enthusiasm in the way that he played, yes. but yes. you know he definitely exuded more of a coolness than you know that type of like just pure boyish enthusiasm. But at the right. same time, though, Kobe was somebody 
that would seek out the opinions of other people who would kind of blow his mind, you know, like the, the Oprah Winfrey's of the world or, or, you know, film directors, things like that. Or like, I remember when Kobe won the Oscar, he didn't even try to hide how much of a, holy shit, I cannot believe this is happening type thing. And, you know, that's Kobe Bryant, you know, he's one of the most accomplished people in his field that, you know, would ever live. So it's, I, I think that is a character type or a characteristic for people sort of no matter what your personalities are, because Giannis and Kobe have pretty different personalities. Yeah, which is why I think it is because of all the things you just said, I do think I've always found it strange as have many people that he doesn't work with too many outside people. But that's, but I think, I think it's misunderstood as him not, you know, oh, I'm too good to work with other people or I don't need to work. It's not that at all. He's totally like we just said, like the reverence for people is is off the charts. He's just very private, just very protective. Like he won't even let his brothers read the black notebook that I mentioned in the in the book a lot. He carries it everywhere and it's like they can't even read it. Um, he's just like, why would I give anyone a glimmer of, you know, seeing what I do? It's, it's, it's old school. It's competitive. He's, he's just, everything we talk about, just I always come back to this idea of like different modern day superstar in every way, not mm-hmm. just how he became a superstar, but how he carried himself as one is completely different. How much, how much of the, of the book really ultimately is about family uh, and about, you know, his connection to his brothers, to his mom, to his, his late father? So, so much of it. And it was really important for me to ground the entire book in that because that is what matters to him most. You know, they were telling me, him and his brothers were telling me, like, we want to win. We all want to be in the NDA. You know, we want to be on the same team. But it's really just it's it's more than basketball. It's 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 a love and a bond. And so as you see throughout the book, I chart the journeys of his brothers, too. Um, it's not just one little section. We return to them as they grow older because Giannis is influencing them as they grow older as well. Um, you know, I think people are close with their families, but this is a different type of close. Like Jared Dudley was telling me that um, he had to convince Giannis to move out of his mom's apartment when he was in that second year in the NBA. And Giannis was like, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that. But Jared was like, dude, you like, you're going to be 21. You got to be your own man. You got to live by yourself. And Giannis just like, no, but that's my family. You know, I, it's just a different level of closeness. Um, and I think also like, it makes sense to me how they become even closer because the death of his dad was so earth shattering to all of them. And it sort of prepared him to become the father that he is. And so what I wanted people to take away from this book is not just like Giannis, the basketball player, but I want people to see how he is as a brother, as a father figure, Mm -hmm. as, you know, a son like that. It was Veronica would have a key to the Bucks gym and she'd be in there rookie year in Milwaukee getting his rebounds as he shot after games. Like that is so beautiful to me. And I just really hope people take away those types of like memories with them. Uh, the last question I have for you, Mirren, right now, as we said earlier in the show, the Bucks and Suns are playing in the finals. Game four oh, is coming for up. It, Mirren. And today on Here the road to the finals, Mirren, yes. our NBA playoffs coverage brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs, 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little more this season. It's professional, Marin. That's his favorite thing to do. Everyone's, everyone's telling me I need to go keto, so I am just very, I'm living for these ads right now. 
I well, I, as far as seg goes, Mirren, I, I don't like to brag, and I, I like to stay <laughs> humble just because I think it ultimately makes you better at your craft. I'm the mm-hmm. best in the business at this. He's the ter- he's the Terry Gross of seg. I was going to yeah. say, I, very I am, fluid. I very give fluid. In, I give incredible seg. I'm not going to lie, but um, what do you think this finals appearance means to Giannis? Personally, just the places and now after the season's coming up short and, you know, the fact that he is performing well, he overcame what looked like a pretty rough injury just to be at this point. The obvious caveat, he wants to win more than anything else, but just the idea of reaching this place. Context is everything, right? Like the idea of reaching it is so beyond this moment. Um, When I did that trip to Milwaukee before I signed the book, I was able to attend the game that they had against the Thunder. And it was a blowout. It was like late February, 2020. And in the locker room after I asked him, I asked Giannis, I was like, did you ever think when you won 15 games as a rookie that you would ever be in the position to have people talking about you as a playoff team? And he was like, stunned that I think I would bring up this horrific 15 win season but you know because so much of beat reporting is in the moment right but I wanted to like take a step back and um and just kind of like figure out what it all meant he was like I never ever could have imagined this and I think it it's so true to now flash forward this never could have imagined this either um Milwaukee as a city has had so much trauma from their team, always this feeling of being left behind, whether it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar going to the Lakers and the, the wound that that left, or even before that, like in the book, I talk about how the the Bucks left to Atlanta and how everyone is like, Milwaukee can't succeed as a basketball city. So Giannis has inherited all these decades of bad deals and bad ownership and all these negative things. And he comes in here and he's like, no, I love this place. I love this city. I love the people here. And so to take them with him, it's incredible. And I know how much it means to him. I know how much it means to others. I talked to so many Milwaukee fans for the book. And the one thing they kept telling me that why they feel so close to him and why this is so special for all of them is because they feel like they've grown up with him. They've watched him grow up. And a lot of franchises don't get to experience that with the movement that happens and the way teams don't really invest in young players who aren't ready. You know, they just throw them in the G League. Giannis was the total opposite. So I think that it means so much to all of them because it's like the unthinkable happened. You know, Milwaukee fans always told me like, it's hopeful worry. You know, the Bucks are going to Bucks. You know, they're not going to make it. You know, they're going to get bounced out of the whatever the, the first round. But then they kept hoping and they kept loving. And it is surreal to actually see it go that much farther. It's, it's really cool. Um, it's a, it's a great place to, to wrap it up. I mean, it is, the book is fantastic. Um, you really, you know, if you're, if you like the NBA, if you like stories about family, if you like stories about very likable people, uh, it really is a a great book for you. It's Giannis, the improbable rise of an NBA MVP. It comes out on uh, hardcover on August 10th. Uh, you can order it from Amazon. You can order it from your local bookseller. Um, I know we told you we'd keep you about a half hour. That's a lie. Um, by now you probably know that's that how we, we get you in like Mary. that. That's right. Yeah. I, I love being here. I could, <laughs> right. I could talk to you guys forever. <laughs> okay, cool. That's a dangerous um, game. Yeah. Don't be careful. 
<laughs> be careful. Um, all right, but the, it is it is such a great read, um, and you are so excellent at what you do. Very uh, happy and just for you. Keep in mind that we are not deeply resentful for how good you are at it at a uh, at a young. No, age. we it's we're counting on you at all. to one day hire us for something, <laughs> right? So we're take we're care of us in our old side. age. A lot right. of flattery, all that. Right. Oh my gosh, yep. guys. All that good I'm turn, stuff. I'm turning bright um, red. Our listeners can't see. I am just, I am a tomato. <laughs> no, but the viewers can. Did you know, by the way, that this, some of this is like for people to oh, see? Like, live? Hey, hey, everyone. Yeah. I was like, a no, it's not live, right but it, we okay. will be posting video. So, oh, okay. Great. Another thing. We, we, don't we have the most the impressive checks behind you. You know what? I was on, I got a tweet from the, like the people that rate your rooms and they were dissing my bookshelf. They said it needs a, they, it needs a plant. I was low-key insulted. What's I'm trying to see the titles. What's on there? All right. We've got we've got Cast. We've got The Shadow King. I love that book. I just read that book. Of course, we have Kiese Lehman, How to Slowly Kill Yourself and Others in America. Of course. Of course. Um, yeah. Of course. Howard Bryant, The Goat. Oh, um, okay. Nice. Um, no, we like Howard. I really love Sigrid Nunez. I have two of her books over there. Yes. And me too. Only two. <laughs> I have others. I have three bookcases. Uh, I, no, now you're just trying too hard. Right. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love how you just basically exposed me as functionally illiterate. Here, <laughs> thank I you very much. <laughs> Great place that to was, end this. I, normally, I normally I feel really awkward and out of place when people talk about like contemporary hip hop or th things because like, I have nothing to offer. Like musicians. Like it was only a couple years ago I found out the weekend was a person and not a band. Um, like stuff like that. <laughs> but now I also find that I am complaining because I didn't understand any of the words that you just said. Those could have been completely made up human beings and I wouldn't know. Um, it's very similar to like how I look at the NBA draft. I don't know who these people are. Um, so thanks for that. Um, I'm going to go feel small somewhere else now. <laughs> well, now you know how I feel when you hit me with the TV pop culture. I'm like, uh, excuse me. I have no idea what you're saying to me. Yes. The, um, the far more important <laughs> stuff. Yeah. All right. Anyway, go buy the book. Um, uh, Mirren Fader, she's one of the best out there. And, uh, we thank you so much for giving us a little extra time today. Really appreciate it. Uh, you guys are amazing. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll see everybody next time.